Hello, and welcome to 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes or less, you can learn a bit more about the world and how you can help change it for the better. My name is Lama Al-Safi, and I'm the host of this podcast. In this episode of 15 Minutes to Change the World, we're marking World Refugee Day by speaking with Masa Katib and Siring Norzum Thansur, two members of the Refugee Advisory Network, which advocates for meaningful inclusion of refugee leaders in policy and decision-making processes that directly affect the lives of refugees. Masa and Siring are joining us remotely today from Vancouver and Toronto, respectively. Thank you so much for joining us today, Masa and Siring. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm really excited to, to speak with you. Uh, so I'll just kick things off. Masa, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself um, and your experiences as a refugee in Canada? And then Searing will, will ask you the same, please. Thank you so much for having us. Um, appreciate it to yourself and Care Canada. I would like, before we start, to kick things off with a collective line acknowledgement on behalf of all the 12 uh, advisors of the Canadian Refugee Advisory Network as we all get to live on uh, unceded and or traditional territories of indigenous peoples, we are all guests on these lands and we promise to treat them with respect themselves and their peoples. My name is Masa Kateb. My preferred pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am a global citizen, if I can start with. I was born and raised in Damascus, Syria, and I sought refuge here in Canada in April 2018. And if I were to put under an umbrella term of all the things that I get to do, they are all to inspire humans, inspire humanity to be more accepting and appreciative of differences as a core drive towards having more love and compassion between humans and towards all beings and to drive impact towards justice, peace and dignity for all. I do have experiences in the corporate sector um, in managerial and leadership positions, as well as for nonprofits and refugee-led organizations here in Canada, as well as journalism and professional sports back in Syria. With all of that, and in terms of my refugee experience, coming with the support of the private sponsorship program, I clearly got to see the systemic barriers that refugees in Canada go through on a daily basis. With the support of the private sponsorship program, I got them the chance to have an extra layer of support that allowed me and supported my integration into society um, here in, uh, on the West Coast in Vancouver, where I now get to sit on many boards and committees and roundtables and have a very tangible voice that was missing on the table. Not in all times. I'm sure a lot of people are doing great work, though being able to elevate uh, refugee voices, as well as the voices of all the different communities that I represent, um, as I'm not just a refugee, I, I'm, I'm so much more than a refugee. Yes, being a refugee, I personally believe that it's a superpower. And um, hopefully throughout this podcast, we'll get to share a little bit more about that. Thank you, Masa. Wonderful mm-hmm. introduction. And Siring, would you please tell our, our listeners a bit about uh, yourself and your experiences as a refugee in Canada? Uh, sure, Lama. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your uh, podcast to share my life experiences as a refugee. Uh, my name is Sering Norzom Thonsor, and I'm a Tibetan. I was born in India to my parents, Tibetan parents, 
who escaped Tibet in 1959 when it was occupied and invaded by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. And uh, since then, I've lived throughout my life as a stateless and uh, also experienced throughout my life, lived experience of uprooting and no, living without an identity. So it uh, shaped my life in such a way that I uh, began to work as an activist, as a social worker, as a women's and human rights defender, and as an activist. I thought uh, coming to Canada as a refugee uh, would help me in amplifying the voice of the refugees and every uh, people who face injustice. And that's how I came to Canada to live as uh, a refugee. And today I am a proud Tibetan Canadian citizen, but always consider myself as a stateless because many of my Tibetan uh, community who live in India, Nepal, and uh, Bhutan are still living as a stateless without any identity. So I definitely feel very privileged uh, with my status here as a Canadian citizen in, in, in Canada, because Canada, with its welcoming refugee policy, I have been able to cherish my dream to participate as a uh, human and women's rights defender and uh, try to make a change in their lives. Today, I'm working in Parkdale Intercultural Association as a, a manager of a settlement program. And through my work as a profession and as an activist, I try my best to advocate for women's and refugees' rights. And uh, Masa, I wonder if you can tell us what's the Refugee Advisory Network and how are you both involved in it? We're a group of refugee individuals who come from different experiences in life and from different countries and backgrounds. And we all advocate and strive to raise meaningful inclusion and participation for refugees in decision-making places. And when we say meaningful, it's from beginning to end. So it's the designing, the brainstorming, the implementation, the evaluation and monitoring. So for refugees to actually be included in all layers of anything that really affects the lives of refugees. In my case, when it comes to my involvement, um, so this is the very first time that this uh, network comes into life. So this is the first cohort. And I'm a member of the coordination committee and Sering uh, uh, is as well. Uh, alongside um, uh, Mustafa Alio, who's also one of the advisors. And through that, we get to work on our mandate and governance policy, as well as getting to attend different meetings with the government of Canada. I had gotten the um, opportunity to be part of the Canadian delegation, uh, attending the uh, UNHCR bilateral meeting and uh, um, meeting with Higher Commissioner Philippe uh, Grand from UNHCR. Going forward, in terms of involvement, we're setting the ground and we're very close to becoming more proactive um, as we're setting our foundation at this moment. Thank you, Masa. And um, Siring, I'll ask you, what does meaningful refugee participation and leadership mean to you in the context of Canadian refugee policy discussions, decision-making, and support? And then, if you'll tell our listeners, please, why is it particularly important to hear from folks who identify as women and girls in this uh, participation and discussion? Well, well, when we speak about meaningful refugee participation, we mean to say that it is important to include refugees with lived experiences in all discussions 
in all policy making uh, that is impacting the lives of refugees globally. So when we talk about the Global Refugee Forum, which was held in 2019 in Geneva, it talked about improving the lives of refugees globally. And it also encouraged leaders, government leaders, to include refugees in their government delegations where they are going to discuss policy and decision-making on improving the lives of refugees. So this is what is meaningful refugee participation. And we encourage the Canadian government as well as global government uh, to include refugees in a meaningful way where refugees are not merely a token representation, but participating as a refugee and uh, making impact on the policy making and the decision making. And so that is why we always encourage uh, meaningful refugee participation at all levels of policy making, decision making and participation in meetings. And for me, with my lived experience as a Tibetan woman and refugee throughout my life, I've participated in many of those uh, international meetings at the United Nations level, at uh, national and international level. And I understood that only if you participate in those meetings, you will try to make an impact on the platform for action that is always discussed as these meetings. So when you participate, when you try to lobby the government leaders, lobby the uh, policymakers and, activity, uh, and the activists, you can encourage them to include your voice, whether be it as a woman or a refugee or a uh, human rights defender. So when we are able to participate, then we are able to make an impact on the decision-making and the policy-making. Masa, what do you think? How does refugee participation make a difference in the global refugee response? Thank you so much, Tsering, for um, for all what you said. And um, if, if I can uh, add, in life overall, we seek experience. So like if you have a position or if you have something that you want to consult someone on, you would consult someone who's got experience in that thing. Unfortunately, when it comes to the global refugee system, that is not the case. So imagine a women conference about women rights and there are less than 1% women attending the conference. It's not even a legitimate conference in the first place. In this day and age, this is how it's like for refugees. So even when it comes to global discussions, there are currently, like even when the last uh, Global Refugee Forum, from 3,000 delegations, 70 of them um, were refugees. So that's less than 3%. This is something that is considered a success to some, yet for others, it is still seen as a process that has so much room of growth, being able to take the experiences of refugees with all of and the refugees are so beautifully diverse so not yes they all have the umbrella of being refugees but then each one of them has their own life experiences work experiences uh different cultures they bring we bring so much to the table so imagine being able to get all of that collective into one place and say okay we're going to brainstorm and we're going to try to enhance the system that is not built to support this many refugees. It's a system that is currently failing refugees, unfortunately, and that's okay. Admitting it is the first step, and a lot of people globally, locally, and nationally had gotten to that stage. And right now, with that energy, we'll be able to say, okay, let's bring those experiences onto the table and be able to weave them into a powerful impact. 
What do you wish Canadian policymakers knew about refugees? Their importance on such tables. When you weave a policy for anything, ideally, you would go on the ground, you would do some surveys, you would try to see, like, is this policy serving this population that I want to have the policy to support? When it comes to any policymaker about anything, so refugees are part of society. So it's not just policies that specifically relate to refugees or have the the wording of a refugee somewhere in it. Or even in Canada, there's also a lot of people say newcomers or, um, you know, refugees fall under newcomers. And technically, it's a different journey for uh, an immigrant than from a refugee. So, And with that in place for decision for policymakers, being able to include refugees in discussions about making those policies implementing them, evaluating them would definitely make those policies be more effective and efficient. I think a very good question to ask ourselves is why are we doing what we're doing? So if I'm just putting a policy in place just to put a policy in place and then I say, yeah, I'll look at it five years from now, then it's not so beneficial to the collective in in the world. You know, time is very precious. All right, thank you to both. This inspiring discussion is not over. As part of our special World Refugee Day edition of 15 Minutes to Change the World, please join us for part two of our discussion with Masa and Siring, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on care.ca slash podcast.